What up, Connect Church family, man? I am so excited to be here uh, this upcoming Sunday and be able to speak to your soul today. I got a word for you. Uh, I was here last week, and uh, for those that are watching online, on YouTube, podcast, our Connect Online family. We love y'all. I'm so excited to be able to preach today. Uh, we're in this series right now called Multiply. Somebody type it out in the chat. Multiply. We love this series. I've been loving it so far. Uh, Pops came here first week. Uh, I came here last week talking about soul winning. And uh, this week I want to give you the habits of soul winners. Last week was the heart of soul winners. And so let's really dive right into it. First, I want to review last week. And then one more announcement I want to give you before we get into the sermon. Uh, one is that we got city groups, we got small groups, we got watch parties, we got house parties, we got tons of things happening within our community. And at the time of this recording, you know, we're in the middle of uh, a global pandemic. COVID is a real thing right now. But, you know, our church doors might have been closed, but the church is not closed. That's for sure. And so now we're starting to do some in-person gatherings and some things are coming up that we're so excited about. So check out our app, Church Center app. Go on the website. There's tons of gathering opportunities. And of course, we're following all the COVID guidelines. But we want to see you in person. We want to, uh, well, we can't hug you, but we can hug you spiritually, at least close and in person. We want to see you. We want to get in community with you. Uh, so don't uh, be socially distancing. You should be physically distancing right now. But get involved and get connected to community because how many know we need people in this season right now? And so that's one thing. Let's review last week really quick before we get into the habits of soul winners. Because last week, I loved getting to preach last week's sermon and last week's service. Uh, for me, honestly, this is a passion point of mine. Uh, I love talking about the subject of evangelism. Uh, I really think evangelism and discipleship are like two wings on a bird. You need both of them in order to soar. And you need both of them in order to excel in your relationship with God. And so I loved getting to talk about this last week. But really what I wanted to do is get to this week and talk about the habits of soul winners. How to strategically and excellently lead people to Christ. But first, before you get the habits, you needed to get the heart. And so we talked about this man named Andrew. Andrew doesn't get much love in the Bible, uh, but he was an incredible disciple. Anytime you see Andrew, we see him bringing things, being people and possessions to Jesus all the time. And we want to be like that. But we talked about this last week. So go back and watch this message. But we really talked about the heart of every soul winner inside their heart. If you ripped it open and you got to look on the inside of their heart, you would see that there are fractures. There is fear, a fear of God and a fear of hell. And then you would see that there is fire shut up in their bones. And so go back, watch that message, take some notes, uh, because you cannot get the habits before you get the heart. You can't have the strategy before you have that spirit of a soul winner. And God wants us to be that. This is our challenge. It's not just the heart of our pastor. It's not just the heart of our house. This is the heart of God to be soul winners. And so today what I want to do is I want to dive into uh, this passage of scripture, it's a familiar passage of scripture if you have been around church at all in your life. Uh, for those that maybe haven't been around church or aren't familiar with scripture, I'm going to read a very familiar portion to some people, but it has really interesting concept with, concepts within it. And so here's the context of what's going on in this text. So Jesus has come down to earth and he has launched his public ministry. So he has just become, you know, publicized that I am who I said I am. I am the savior of the world. I am the hope for humanity. I am going to be the Messiah and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is really announcing it because his ministry has just started. Now God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, my imagine, up in heaven, are having this conversation to say, hey, you got three years of public ministry on planet Earth, 
And so what are we going to do when you ascend, when you go back to heaven and you leave earth, what are you going to do? And he says, and they all have a collaborative meeting and they talk about, well, you need a team. And so this particular text we're going to dive into are the first four disciples that Jesus recruits. And I find it so interesting because I want to ask a few questions. I want to ask the questions about the text is why did Jesus choose these guys? And really, what was the purpose of it? And why was it these specific guys uh, that he wanted to get on this team? And there was one common interest and there was one common thing amongst these four. Now, now let's get into this passage. It's Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18, it says it like this. It says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's known as Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and they're both casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Somebody type in the chat, fishermen. Come on. These guys were not recreational fishermen. They were commercial fishermen. So this is what they did for a living. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. We know them the sons of Zebedee. We also know them as the sons of thunder. Some people nowadays call them the sons of wonder because they did so many different things. But we know these two are powerhouses for the kingdom. And so he recruited these guys in the boat with Zebedee, their father. So they were in the boat with their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And watch this, immediately, somebody type that out in the chat. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. And then, of course, we read in the previous week, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, it talks about the way of the righteous is a tree of life, but he who wins souls is wise. Let's talk about the habits of soul winners. See, you cannot have the habits unless you have the heart. You cannot have the strategy unless you have the spirit of a soul winner. And so that's my prayer today. Father, um, we ask that you would consecrate this time that we have together, whatever it is left, 20 minutes left, as we prepare our hearts to receive the word from God today. I pray that it not be my words, but your words. Help me to communicate it uh, eloquently, confidently, and with clarity, Lord. Uh, I pray that this would go right to their soul, right to the heart of every person, no matter where they're watching, whether they're driving in the car, listening online, on podcast, uh, whether they're in their home right now, listening on the church online uh, platform. God, we just ask that you would speak to us today. And so would you change our hearts? Would you... Uh, transform it? Would you put a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone? And we ask that we would have the heart and the habits of soul winners in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Um, funny story, cool story. Last year during the summer, my dad, my brother-in-law, and I all went out deep sea fishing. Now listen to me. Um, something you need to know about my personality, okay? I am an extrovert, I'm a social butterfly. I love doing things. I love doing adventurous things. But one thing that my wife constantly knocks me for, and honestly, she has valid reasoning for it, is I am not handy and I'm not very good at any of that stuff at all. So when it comes to things like fishing, I'm not really the guy that like, likes to get my hands dirty. I'm the guy that's like, hey, bro, like, can you put on like the hook and put it on the fish's mouth and like, like all that stuff just goes, it's just, it freaks me out. Okay. I just get a little squirmy. It just, it feels nasty to me. Okay. But this time my dad was like, Hey, I need you to be a man about it. 
and we're going to go out deep sea fishing. You're going to have to catch some fish. You're going to have to catch some bait, put on the hook, and then we're going to be able to do it. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll get over this fear. Sure enough, we're out on the water. We have to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning. It's the crack of dawn. And I'm like, what are we doing right now? We drive to Cape Cod. It's about an hour and a half drive. So we drive to Cape Cod. We get there at about 530 in the morning. We get on this boat. We have this guy who is our guide. Get on this boat. We go out way out into the ocean. And so for me, I'm like, is this like this? It feels like because there was a fog over the sea. Uh, it was like you could hear whales off into the distance. I'm like, I hope that's a whale and not like a great white shark because we're out in the Cape. And you know, you know, there's tons of sharks out there. So I'm like freaking out a little bit. Meanwhile, I'm still dog tired because I woke up at four o'clock in the morning. And so for me, I'm like, this is the makings of either an incredible day or this is probably the end of my life where I'm going to fall asleep, fall over the boat, a shark's game. It's just going to be, it, who knows? You know, so I'm in this situation. Anyways, we throw our uh, our pole, our uh, rod into the water, and we didn't even have to put bait on it. But there were so many fish and these mackerel that we used as the bait for the day. So I catch my first fish. I reel it in. Moment of truth comes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to grab this thing, unhook its mouth. I'm thinking like, am I gonna like put my hand all the way in, and all of a sudden it's gonna be like a blue fish, and there's just gonna be teeth, and it gnaws off my hand. I'm like, I have a beautiful hand. I could be a hand model. I don't know, but I'm like, is this really gonna detract from my hand? I'm so, I'm so heated right now, but finally I man up. I grab the fish, and I pull it into the water. We end up doing that like over and over again to the point where he had so much bait. I'm like, how are we gonna use all this fish throughout the day? Long story short, let's fast forward the story a little bit. I'm with my dad. I'm with my brother-in-law. At the end of the day, we had a little competition. You know how it is with the Fry family. For many of you guys that come to this church, you know how the Fries operate and how we work. Uh, I am as competitive as they come. And I'd like to report that during that day, um, Devin Fry had six fish. Derek Fry had five fish. My brother-in-law had two fish. And so clearly and obviously, I am the alpha male of our family. I mean, it's, honestly, there's, it's, the evidence proves it. Uh, I am better than my dad, especially when it comes to being a fisherman. And I was hyped for that day. Come on, somebody. So the guy that was not good at getting his hands dirty, let me just tell you, I am the greatest fisherman you have ever seen in your entire life. Come on, baby. Um, I remember this story vividly because uh, it was such a new experience for me. And there was so many different things about it. And I finally got to say to myself, yo, I'm a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. I love to go fishing now. I can't wait to go deep sea fishing again. If there's anybody in the church who wants to take me, come on, holla at your boy. I'm nasty at it, so come, come on and ask me and invite me. But I remember being able to identify, identify myself as a fisherman. And like this story, here's, here's where I think it gets a little interesting with the story in the passage that we read earlier, is Jesus gives us this identity as for those that follow him, he says, I'm not going to make you a fisherman. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In other words, he's not saying, I'm not going to have you fish for perch and bass and, and salmon. I'm going to have you fish for men, women, people, and humanity. And so he says, there's something about these fishermen, though. So I find it so interesting because as I was studying this, and I, I pulled out my Bible dictionary, and I actually looked up fishermen, and I found that four, in this, four, four people in this text were fishermen, and God called four fishermen to become his disciples. Now, as we look throughout more of the New Testament narrative, we would find that seven out of the 12 disciples, at least most scholars believe, seven out of the 12 disciples were all fishermen. So watch this. So half of the team that God called and that Jesus called as he was on earth in his public ministry, seven of them were fishermen. Now why? This is the question I begin to ask myself. Like what in the world was it about that particular occupation that there was something about fishermen? 
And I think there's a few different reasons for it. I think there's a few different things we can come to this conclusion of. But fishermen had certain skills. These were blue-collar workers. And in this time, they did not make very much money. This was not necessarily a lucrative career. They were blue-collar workers. They were hard workers. They had to get up super early in the morning. They're not only providing sustenance and food for themselves and their families, but this is their occupation and this is their way of life. Again, this is not recreational fishing. This is commercialized fishing. So they have to take care of themselves and they have to take care of their family. And this is their way about them. And so Jesus identifies in the text that we read in Matthew 4, he identifies four fishermen. He identifies Simon or Peter and Andrew, the brothers. He identifies James and John, who are the sons of thunder, also brothers. And so it's found that these guys are working. Now there's a lesson in this. Watch this. So the lesson is this, is that God in the kingdom of heaven does not work if you don't work. Come on, God does not use lazy people. Can I say that one more time so that you can say some amens in this chat today? God does not use lazy people. God doesn't work if you don't work. And so you need to understand this today. Because like these fishermen, these guys were hard at work and Jesus sees them. He sees them. He calls them. And then he says, these one, he says this one statement. He goes, I want you to follow me. And if you follow me, he says this, I will make you fishers of men. Now, what does this mean? Because this is really the text and, the, and what I want to wrestle with today. He gives us two calls. So every Christian has two calls. Our two calls are this, to follow, watch this, and to fish. The two calls of every Christian is to follow Jesus, to follow his example, to follow his lead, to follow how he talks, how he walks, how he behaves, how he responds, how he responds to sin, how he responds to the world. We are called to follow Jesus, but also to fish for souls, to fish for souls, to be fishers of men. So I have a question. Here's the big idea for today. You're going to see it below in this bar. And I want this question to really mess with you a little bit because Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So listen, here's the question is if you're not fishing, are you really following? If you're not fishing, are you really following Jesus? Because Jesus says it very clearly. I know nowadays in modern Christianity with the American gospel, we think oftentimes it's how much Bible you know and how much knowledge you have and how much scripture you collect over time. That is what makes you a mature believer. And can I just tell you, based on this text, we see it very, climply, very clearly and simply stated. We see that if you are not fishing, you are really not following. And so I hope you guys are following, and I'm going to do a PD right here. Are you tracking with me right now? Come on. And I think that's the question we have to wrestle with and we have to ask a little bit. Is, are we fishing? Because if we're not fishing, then we're really not following. How do we fish for men? How do we fish for women? How do we fish for souls? I think there's some skills. See, this is, what, this is what fishermen do. They always have the right equipment. They always have the right bait. And they always know the right water. Oh my gosh, there's so many th different things in that. And it's probably a sermon for another day. But they have to get the right equipment. They have to get the right bait. And they have to know where to fish in the water, in the body of water that they're supposed to fish in. Now listen, what I want to do is I want to give you the three habits of soul winners. I think there are three habits for soul winners. In the New Testament, they're called fishers of men. In the Old Testament, they're really called soul winners. Essentially, I'm talking about evangelism. We're in this little mini-series called Soul Winners. The overall series is called Multiply. And how are we supposed to multiply? And how are we supposed to advance the gospel message that God has so graciously entrusted to us? 
Well, listen, I think there are three habits. But first, I want to give you a quick little principle is this. Is that before you get the good news in, watch this. Before you get the good news in, you have to get the bad news out. So because here, here's, here's the problem with the church right now. Is the church and Christianity, well, first of all, we got some weird people. We got some bad churches. And we got some bad marketing out there. So we got some weird people, we got some bad churches, and we got some bad marketing. But listen, this is the same thing for restaurants. It's the same thing for schools. It's the same thing for uh, gyms. It's the same thing for so many different things. And so you have to understand, if you are to be a soul winner, you got to know this. There are some rough churches out there. There are some weird Christians out there. And there's definitely some bad marketing. But we can use this to our advantage. You know, so often we hear statements like, you know, the church is just after my money. And for me... When somebody says something like that to me, I'm like, yo, at my church, I can't say this about every church, but at my church, at Connect Church, under the leadership of Pastor Derek and Stacy Fry, we haven't passed a plate around in our history. Come on, that's a good church. Uh, Pastor Derek has never asked you once from the pulpit, ask for any money. Never once. He says, ask and talk to God about it, but he has never asked you once for that. And I'm like, listen, I can't debunk that for every church, but I can say it for my church. We can tell you definitively, we are not after your money. We don't want something from you. We actually want something for you. You have to learn how to uh, combat some of the things that people are coming at you with. And so you got to know, there are some bad churches out there. There are some churches that are about solely your money. But we have to learn how to debunk some of these myths and actually use it to our advantage. So you have to know, there's some weird Christians out there. There are some bad churches out there. And there's also some bad marketing. I, I think there's no one. You know, Christians, are, they're just, they're, the church is just full of hypocrites. And you know what my response is always? Hey, we got room for one more. Uh, I can tell you for sure and definitively, I myself... I'm a man that has very hypocritical tendencies. And listen, if you are being honest with yourself and if you are being honest with people and the people you're surrounding yourself with, you are too. We got room for more hypocrites in this house. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody in the chat today? And then I just say, we got to be very cautious with the things that we say and not being judgmental. See, because judgmentalism, basically what judgment is, I've defined it in, the, in a previous sermon before, being judgmental is judging the whole person without the whole story. You don't know their whole story, so you have a limited view, a limited amount of information about them. So you cannot judge them. So we have to be very cautious with our words, not being hypocritical, not being judgmental. Come on, judgmentalism is a terrible evangelism strategy. So before we put good news in, before we have some habits and some you know, practices, uh, we have to get the bad news out before we put good news in. Now listen, I want you to write this down in your notes. Write this down in the chat. Write this down somewhere so you can remember this. Here's what soul winners know. Soul winners know you cannot change anybody. You cannot save anybody. You cannot force them. You cannot change them. But listen, our responsibility, Jesus does the saving. We do the serving. We talked about this last week. Jesus does the saving. We do the serving. Here's another way to say it. Is Jesus converts but I can converse. Jesus converts, I converse. In other words, I just am responsible to, to throw out invitations. I am responsible to compel people. I am responsible to do three things. And here are the things I want you to get today. The three habits of soul winners. Number one is this. Number one is one of the habits of soul winners is they pray. Come on. It is simple. It is elementary. But if you want to see people come to life in Christ and you want to see people get saved, listen to me, friend. You need to pray. Why? Because this is what prayer does. Prayer is just inviting God. If it is in fact true that we don't save people, 
we simply serve people, well, friend, we need a participation. We need to go hand in hand. We need to handshake and we need to grab the hand of God and say, God, I need your help. I know this is my responsibility. I know what the text says. I know the Bible says very clearly, if I follow you, I will, you will make me a fisher of men. So I know this is your heart. It's not just the heart of Connect. It's not just the heart of Derek. It's not just the heart of Stacy. It's not just the heart of Devin. It's not just the heart of this house. It is the heart of God to see people come to Jesus and come to the knowledge that they are saved by grace through faith. It is a responsibility of ours. That being said, we need the help and the hand of God. So that's why we pray. See, this is what prayer does. This is what prayer does, especially when it comes to soul winning, when it comes to evangelizing, when it comes to reaching the lost in our community and in our city. This is what it does. Prayer opens people's eyes. Prayer opens people's hearts. And prayer, come on somebody, opens doors. That's what prayer does. Prayer opens eyes, prayer opens hearts, and prayer opens doors. You cannot do this by yourself. If you're going to be a soul winner, if you're going to be effective for Christ, if you're going to be somebody that wins your workplace to Jesus, if you're going to get people from your uh, team, from your football team, from your gymnastics uh, squad, you are going to have to get prayer involved with it and get God involved with it because prayer opens eyes, prayer opens hearts, and prayer opens doors. I remember beautifully seeing this happen when I was in Bible college. Uh, I'd never forget this as long as I live because I'm living in Bradenton, Florida. I was at Bible college there for about two and a half years. And uh, the particular location in Bradenton, they have the Tropicana orange juice plant right around there. So every once in a while within the city, if you're driving, you would see these like, it would be like a dozen trucks with like literally tens of thousands of oranges on the backside of this truck. And so you would smell like the citrus in the air. And then because the plant, the power plant and the Tropicana plant was close to there, uh, when they were squeezing the oranges, uh, there would be this aroma all throughout the city. So the entire city smelled like orange juice. It smelled, it had this citrus, fruit kind of smell, and ta- you, you really taste it in the air. This is a beautiful illustration of what prayer does. When you pray, there's just this aroma. There's just this appetite. There's just this smell that is released into the city. It is released into your workplace. It's released into the conversations that you're having with people. And I'm telling you, man, it just makes people watch this. This is what happened when those, when those trucks drove by me. I wanted some orange juice. It made me watch thirsty. This is what prayer does is prayer releases heaven. And it literally has this aroma. It makes people thirsty for God. You cannot do this by yourself. For if you want to be a soul winner, you have to learn how to pray. What do you do when you pray? Well, you just pray, God, would you, would you help me? Would you assist me? Would you give me opportunity? Would you give me a door? Would you give me a conversation? Would you help me with my words? Would you release, this is one prayer and one scripture, I believe it's in John, release a spirit of adoption. Basically, God is just releasing and the Father is drawing people unto himself. You can't do this by yourself. If you want to be a soul winner, the first habit of a soul winner is you have to pray. Here's the second habit is this. You pray, and you know me. You know how I love my alliterations just like my dad. You have to pray, and the second thing is this. You have to plant. You have to plant. Come on, you plant seeds wherever you go. Come on. You're constantly planting. You're constantly uh, giving some encouragement. You're constantly giving some love. You're constantly sending a couple text messages. Here's a DM. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. You're planting seeds constantly because in 1 Corinthians, it says it like this. Paul speaking, he says, you know, I planted the seed. Apollos, he watered the seed, but God was the one responsible to make it grow. Another way to say it is just this. 
is I serve people, but God saves people. I can't save people. I can serve people. And I can plant as many seeds as possible. Friend, I remember uh, there's this one man that was on my basketball team literally at this time 11 or 12 years ago. And so they're family friends of ours. Uh, they live in our community. And our whole family, for literally a decade, a decade, I'm not kidding, there was an entire decade where we were just planting seeds. We were loving this family. We were showing love and support to this entire family uh, for a long time. And there's this particular guy who somebody I looked up to for quite some time. He's an incredible basketball player. And uh, we were just like, ah, it just doesn't look like they're ever going to come to our church. They're not going to come to Christ. And literally 10 years later, this happened last year. I'm not kidding. There was one Sunday where I'm preaching on a Sunday morning. I preached a sermon. It was called I Messed Up, talking about what do you do when people make mistakes? What does the mentor do? And what was the person that made a mistake do? And I'm essentially saying, listen, you are not a mistake. You made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. And for those that are mentors, we have to have a plan. We have to have a language. We have to have a gentle spirit and a plan to restore people. That was the message that my friend came into for the very first time. Ten years of planting seeds as a family. And one Sunday, he comes in. He listens to this message because there was some struggle in his life. He made a couple mistakes. And he said, this is the only route I know where to go. This is the only way, place I know how to turn, where to turn. And he comes into our church. He comes up to me after service and he goes, I can't believe that this was my first Sunday. I can't believe you guys were this close the whole time. And the one Sunday I decided to come, you're preaching on what you're preaching on. It was almost like God, you know, the big guy up there, this is him speaking, the big guy up there knew what he wanted to say to me. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? And my friend, a couple weeks later, after coming to church a few more times, after a few more seeds were planted, he gave his life to Christ that day. And for me and my family, I texted my family group chat right afterwards. I said, you are not going to believe the conversation I had today. Ten years of planting seeds. Ten years of showing love. Ten years of giving encouragement. Ten years of saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Ten years of praying behind the scenes. They don't even know we were praying for them. And then this one young man says, I can't believe this is the message that I hear for the first time. He came here, heard the sermon, a couple weeks later, gave his life to Christ in church that day. And we celebrate all that God did. Because listen, Devin might have planted some seeds. Some other people might have watered the seeds. But ultimately, it was God that made it grow. And now we have a young man that is coming to faith. He's asking me, as we were on this pandemic, uh, and as we were kind of not meeting physically in person. He's like, man, I really miss church right now. I'm like, I can't even believe these are the conversations I'm having with you because I prayed for this for 10 years. And now it's starting to come to pass because why? We were planting seeds constantly. We were planting seeds all the time. Listen, for all of us that are out there that have this heart and need this heart and want this heart, the heart of a soul winner, you have to pray and you have to plant constantly. You know the scripture, you reap what you sow. And so you will reap what you sow, you will reap after you sow, and you will reap more than what you sow. So just constantly be planting seeds. You don't have any responsibility to save people. Again, you can't convert them, but you can converse with them. So constantly plant seeds. How do you do that? It's encouragement. It's prayer. It's showing love. It's showing care. It's showing concern. It's having conversations. It's sharing moments. It's sharing meals with people. It's constantly planting seeds. And listen to me. I wrote this down in my notes. If you can make a friend, you can win a soul. If you can make a friend, friend, you can win a soul because every soul matters to God. And so constantly plant. You got to pray and you got to plant. You got to pray and you got to plant. You got to pray 
and you got to plant. And listen to me, plant in three different ways. Here's a few things that I, that I thought up and wrote up. Um, plant spiritually. We talked about this before, so I'm not going to stay too much into it. Plant spiritual meaning pray prayers of salvation, that God would draw them closer. Pray prayers like, God, would you send friends? Would you send Christian friends? Would you send Christian values and put them into their life and into their world? Open their eyes, open their hearts, open doors so that we can plant those seeds. So plant spiritually. Um, Plant personally. Have some encouraging conversations. Tell them how proud you are of them. Tell them uh, the incredible moments that they've shared with them. Share some memories with them. Go out. Have some fun with them. Go on some adventures. Take them out to dinner. Buy them lunch. Uh, give them some money. Uh, one of the things that I was uh, recently doing, one of the things I was recently prompted to do, is uh, Natalia and I just got blessed by an incredible family in our church. They just decided to give us a gr- an amazing amount of money, and we were so thankful and so grateful. But I felt like the Lord told me, listen, that, all that money is not yours. You have a responsibility to take care of the people within your community, within your sphere of influence. And so one of my barbers right now, I've been working on for some time, and I'm, I'm going to get him. I'm, I've been planting seeds over and over again. Every time he cuts my hair, every time I sit in that chair, we always talk about Jesus. We always talk about faith. We always talk about church. And what am I doing? I'm just planting seeds constantly, planting seeds constantly. And I know at some point, whether I see it or whether somebody else sees it, I know that this young man is going to give his life to Christ. I know it for a fact because we've had incredible conversations. And I've seen the conversations grow and grow and grow. But we received a bunch of money. And I was so grateful. But the Lord was like, nope, some of that is reserved for him. And so the next time, and a few times that we've had some haircuts lined up and appointments booked, you know, I'm just going to give them a few big tips. It's just, it's so easy to plant seeds. It's so easy to plant seeds. So do what you can. So winners, come on, they pray and so winners, they plant. And here's the last one. And my final thought for the day is this. They pray, they plant. And here's the last one. They preach. Oh, come on, don't get me started right now. As a preacher, this is one of my favorite things. So winners, they pray, they plant. And then they preach. What do you mean? What do you mean preach? Because there's so many people that don't know how to do what I'm doing right now. And you're not maybe confident on doing what you do. I wrote three things down. Here's what you can share. You can share, number one, your stuff. Come on, write that out in the chat. Share your stuff. I'm talking about your stuff stuff. Like, I'm talking about, like, don't be fake. Let it all out. Let people know, like, let people know who you used to be. And I know sometimes in the church world, you're like, oh, well, I didn't come from, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to struggle with drugs. I didn't struggle with alcoholism. And listen, we think that just because I didn't have a bad story doesn't mean I have a good testimony. That is such a false lie. We can talk about things that are going on internally. I remember who I used to be, and this is how I preach. I share my stuff. I remember how depressed I was. I remember how disgusting and disgusted I was with life and with people, how cynical I was, how I treated my mom how I treated people around me, how I hustled people, how I stole, how I was literally a thief. Like, I remember these types of moments. And so it's super easy. Share your stuff. Listen, people can smell fake so fast. Be real because fake is just exhausting. It's exhausting. So share your stuff. Here's the next next thing is this. Share your story. Share your story. Get good at telling your story. Don't do a long story. Make a short testimony. Give me a two to three minute window telling your story overall. I remember for me, man, I remember there were times. This is what I'm, I'm just showing you as an example. I remember there's times where I've shared this before in a sermon, but I'll give you uh, the, the abridged version. Um, I went, I stole my dad's credit card. I'm in high school at this point. Stole my dad's credit card knowing that he's going to see it at some point. Stole my dad's card. I went down the street. I stole a bunch of uh, 
things and items from this local store, got caught, police officer came, uh, brought me to the church because he was actually friends with my dad, and they had this conversation with me. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I am, I'm disgusted. Like, what am I doing? Stealing stuff, using my dad's card, stealing his money, stealing stuff from a different place. And I just remember that now you look back and you fast forward five years, seven years later. And now somehow, someway, only by the grace of God, God has redeemed my life. He's changed my personality. He's changed my nature. He's given me influence. He's given me a platform. And some reason, now I'm a speaker. And now I speak into hundreds of young people's lives on a regular and a consistent basis. That is only the grace of God. And that is the only thing that God, the only thing I can attest that to is the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And some of us have stories just like that, even more so. Listen, share your stuff, share your story. But lastly, share your Savior. Man, if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for his love, if it wasn't for the fact that he died on the cross and forgave me of my sin, and now I don't have to pay for my sin, listen to me. I remember this principle, and I always share it because this is something that has guided and shaped my life. If you make much of Jesus, listen to me, Jesus will make much of you. Share your stuff. Come on, share your story. And then share your Savior. Preach. This is what soul winners do. Somebody say preach in the chat today. Soul winners, they pray. Soul winners, they plant. And soul winners, they preach. And they preach because they know, listen, God has given me this gift of salvation. God doesn't just say, I can go to heaven. He, can also, he also says, I can live heaven on earth as well. I don't have to live this broken, busted, and disgusted life. I can live a life that, first of all, I can be proud of. I can see fruit. I can make some money, but I can be blessed so that I can be a blessing. God gives us the principles. He gives us the way. He is not just the way. He is the best way to live. This is how soul winners do it. I want you to say this with me a few times. Come on, soul winners, they do three things. They pray, they plant, and they preach. Soul winners, they pray, they plant, and they preach. Soul winners, they pray, they plant, and they preach. One more time, they pray, they plant, and then they preach. I'll finish with this final story. I remember for me, um, we're in the middle of this pandemic, and the church doors have been closed. Now, the church is still wide open and operating at max capacity, and we're getting better and better and meeting more and more. And I'm so proud of our church. But the church door is closed. And there was this one particular time where I'm like, I was in the house, locked up. And I decided to tell my wife. And I told Natalia, I said, babe, we got to go take Zion to the church. I just want him to see the church. I want him to be in the church. And then there's the nurse so we can go play with some of the toys there. And I just want him to be familiarized with the church. Because I know it's going to be a long time before we meet and gather in person in our service again. She's all about it. So we drove Zion uh, in our car, and we drove all the way to the church. About 18 minutes later, we pulled in the church parking lot. I go, Zion, look where we're at, son. And he looks at the church, and he screams at the top of his lungs. He goes, home. And literally, it was like tears came to my eyes. He hasn't been to this church. He hasn't been to this building for months. And the first thing he says when he sees the church, he says, home. This is the heart of every soul winner. This is the goal and the hope of every soul winner is all we want to do is we want to bring our brothers and our sisters, our sons, our daughters, our fathers, our mothers, our friends, our clients, our colleagues. We just want to bring them home. That's the heart of a soul winner. That's the heart of this message is that all we want to do is we want to bring people home, bring them home to heaven. Does your soul 
have a home? Is your soul secure? I know I'm speaking to somebody right here right now. I don't know if this is speaking to you right now, but I believe the Holy Spirit is whispering in your ear right now, I want you home. I want you to come home. Come to heaven with me. But it's not just that. Soul winners also have a passion for the local church. It's pointing people to heaven, but it's also teaching them how to live heaven on earth. And you don't have to live heaven on earth by yourself. You actually need to live heaven on earth. You need community and you need the house of God, not just heaven. You need the house of God. And soul winners are so passionate about pointing people to heaven. And soul winners are so passionate about getting people into the house of God. This is what we are to do. And I just know for me, the heart of a soul winner, the hope of a soul winner, the habits of soul winners, here's what I know, is we have been given this gift of salvation. And so because Jesus gave me this gift, now my gift back to him is to bring as many people as possible to heaven. And our goal is to empty hell and to populate heaven. This is our mission. This is our cry. This is our war cry. This is our heart. This is our habits. As we pray, we pray unceasingly. We pray unwavering. We pray constantly and we pray all the time. And we do not give up on people. We plant seeds. We give people hope where there is no hope. We are hope dealers. We are heaven's recruiters. This is who we are. This is what we do. And we preach. Come on, we preach our stuff. We preach our story. And we preach our Savior. This is what we are responsible to do. This is what we are called to do. And we are bringing as many people as possible to heaven. And I can't wait. And I hope you are feeling the same way as me. I can't wait till I can get to heaven one day. I can look at my God directly in the eyes. And he can say, I'm so proud of you. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I can't wait for the day where I'm walking into heaven's pearly gates, going into eternal glory. And there are people that come up to me to say, listen, Jesus saved me, but you invited me. And I pray that that sinks into your soul, that so many of us will be impacted just by hearing that, that when we get into heaven one day, there are people that come up to us to say, you invited me here. You were the one that brought me home. And I want to pray for you. And I want to believe that God is going to do again Something spiritual, something supernatural within you. Because this is the cry and this is the heart of our church and this is the heart of God is that all of us would become soul winners. And so Father, right now, wherever they're at, if they're in their car, if they're at work, if they're in their home, I pray, Lord, that you would do surgery. That there would be something supernatural that occurs within us. Again, you would give us a new heart and you would teach us and give us wisdom to be able to operate this way. Help us to pray more that we would get such a burden for our city that when Jesus, he looked at the city, he had compassion on it. He began to weep for the city. And so help us to pray. Holy Spirit, would you remind us, prompt us this week, right now even, that we would stop, we would stop being distracted and we'd sit down, we would pray, who is it? that you are putting on my mind and in my mind's eye and in my heart. Who is it that I am responsible to reach? Not to save, but to serve. Father, would you give us wisdom on how to plant seeds? Would you help us to leverage our money? Would you help us to leverage our houses? Would you help us to leverage our relationships, our time, our talents? Father, help us to leverage all of these things so that we can just constantly plant seeds and plant seeds and plant seeds and plant seeds because we believe that those seeds are going to be watered and those seeds are going to grow. But lastly, help us to preach Come on, I might be a preacher, but so are you. And so we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. We are the ambassadors of God. We are to uh, have a timely word and an apt reply. We are to communicate this gospel message to help us to be vulnerable, to share our story. 
and ultimately preach Jesus. And Father, may our church, Holy Spirit, would you help us do it into not our building, but within our people, that we would make much of Jesus because we believe he will make much of us as we make much of him. And so Father, help us, challenge us, change us, convict us right now in Jesus' name. Now lastly, I want to pray for one more group of people uh, because I believe there's some people online right now, watching online. I know God is speaking to you. And the Holy Spirit is saying, come home. I miss you. I want you here with me. Maybe there's some people, I'm speaking to somebody right now. There's some people where you've been a prodigal and you've run away from God. And I think just by technology, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in divine uh, moments like these. And I believe he's speaking to you saying, come home. I want you back. And so I want to give you the opportunity now. Maybe you need to come back or maybe you need to come home for the very first time. Does your soul have a home? Do you know, is your home heaven for eternity? And I want to count to three and ask you to shoot your hand up. I'm sorry, to click that button below and to say, I want to give my life to Jesus. One, Jesus loves you so much. He died for you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Please don't wait another minute. You do not know if tomorrow is promised. Three, if that's you, would you click that button below? We have a team that wants to pray for you, wants to help you, wants to help you along in this Christian journey and get connected and get involved in community because I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing in the world you could ever do is get connected, not just with the heart of God, but also the house of God and watch your life dramatically transform in short time. God's going to do it. I'm telling you, he's going to do it. Our team's going to take care of you. Our team is going to help you. But lastly, I want to challenge our church. Connect Church. I want to challenge you as one of the pastors here is this. All of us have a responsibility to serve our city, to plant seeds in our city. You can alleviate all that pressure. You do not save a soul. You you cannot convert anybody, but you can converse with people. You don't do the converting. You do the conversing. We We don't save people. We serve people. And so I want to alleviate that pressure. But we have responsibility to pray for people, to plant seeds with people, and to preach to people. And so would you help me in that? Would you help our church in that? Would you take on the responsibility and the mantle, come on, baby, of a soul winner? This is what we do. This is who we are. This is the heart of our church, and this is the heart of the Multiply series. Here's my challenge is this. You've heard me say it last week, but I want you to repeat it again. Each one. Reach one. All of us have a responsibility, whether it's a colleague, a client, a friend, somebody that comes in and out of your home. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's the person across the street. Maybe it's the family that you, do, you have sports with. Can I just tell you and challenge you? Each one of us has a responsibility. Each one, reach one. And I'm telling you, as we get that passion for soul winning, we get that heart and we get those habits We're going to see so many people come to Jesus, and we're going to see our city transformed and turned upside down. And just like Acts 17 says, these were the people that turned the world upside down. I love you, church family. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. God bless you guys, and we will see you soon in a city group, a house party, and a small group or something online coming up real soon. I love you guys so much. God bless you.